Welcome to Redemption Unscripted. On this podcast, you will hear unscripted conversation to help you know Jesus, grow in your relationship with Him, and go advance His kingdom. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome back to another episode of Redemption Unscripted. I'm your host, Austin. I'm excited to be here, and Happy New Year to you. If you are listening to this when it drops, you are a few weeks into 2022, and let's hope it's a better year than the past few, so we'll see. But I'm excited to talk a little bit with our guest today, and as always, we have uh, Pastor Rick on the mic. How are you doing, man? Doing great, brother. Good to be with you again. Yeah. And then we have joining us, uh, pretty regular on the podcast, every couple episodes makes an appearance. we got Pastor Jared. How are you doing, man? I'm doing well. Excited for a new podcast, new year. It's funny when you say 2022. Have you guys messed it up yet? The 2021 oh, a ton. or a ton? <laughs> so far, I've been good, but it's coming. You know yeah. how it is. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, with uh, the new year, the, we just got through Christmas, and so let's take a minute here and just think back to Christmas. So, guys, what? And Jerry, we'll start with you. I mean, what was what was your uh, favorite gift, man? Like, what Christmas present you got that you're just loving? Well, well, Jesus, of course, the, the sweet baby. Okay. Yeah. Everyone, okay. everyone. It's a His given. His presence given. is really our... Pre- uh, no, uh, <laughs> I, it's funny, I just hooked up my, my Google Nest. So that's been pretty fun. Like, I, I'm so excited about it. I literally, like, I just walk in the hallway and look at it because the graphic <laughs> on my thermostat is so fun to... So I've been really excited about that. My wife bought me a bunch of clothes. She is my stylist. I didn't know how bad my style was until my wife dressed me, and then everybody finally said, wow, you look nice. And they never say that when I dress myself. So, <laughs> so I got some new clothes, which is good, but the Google Nest has been fun. Sobering. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've heard you nerding out about the Nest the past few days. So it's, oh, it's yeah, fun. I love it. I love it. <laughs> what about you, man? What, what you got? Uh, I got a new shop vac, which I desperately needed. My last shop vac, I think, was 15 years old or 20 years old, something like that. Didn't even offer it to anyone, just threw it in the trash. Uh, I got some AirPod Pros because uh, the noise cancellation feature is worth the extra money for me. Uh, So that was kind of the coolest gift. Probably the sweetest gift, though, was uh, Shannon got me The Innkeeper, the book uh, from John Piper that... Uh, we showed the video of him reading it on Christmas Eve. Such a great deal, and I think it ministered to a lot of people. And Shannon knew I was going to use it during the message, and so way ahead of time then, she ordered it, and on Christmas Day, I opened it. I'm like, so it brought me to tears again. That's cool. This is a sweet gift. What about you? So one of the things I've been, I drink a lot of water. That's kind of my thing. I try to, I've been trying to figure out how to drink more other than just chugging more. And the one time of the day, I'm like, if I could have a cup that fit in my car, because all the water bottles I drink out of are too big for like the cup holders. And so I'm like, man, I just need a cup for my car. And then that like my minute and a half commute to the church, I can chug like 28 ounces. It's great. And be done. Uh, Or be start for the day. And so my wife got me a cup that fits in my cup holder and it's... It's nothing special. It's just the cup that fits in there, but it's the greatest gift I've it ever It checks received. all the boxes for yeah. you, though. Now I, got, I get 28 more ounces in the day before I get here. It's great. So. <laughs> I love that you just own it, chugging water. That's kind of my thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you're going, she bought me a water bong, and I just, I just bong water. I just, <laughs> totally, like, totally. So that was pretty cool. But 
All right, guys. Well, let's let's dive in. So, if you're listening to this podcast and you you go to our church Redemption Chapel, one of the things you know, we're in the middle of a serve push, and we wanted to take some time on this podcast to kind of keep pushing that idea of serving. And if you don't go to our church, it's still important to serve wherever you're at, whatever church you're at. And so, this would be important for you as well. And so, we just want to talk a little bit about what does the Bible say about serving and how does that look uh, in our own lives as followers of Jesus. So let's start with that question. I mean, let's start with God's Word. That is our foundation. So guys, what would you say when we uh, talk about serving? What does the Bible say specifically about serving? So for me, there's always two passages that come to mind. The, the one that pops to mind first every time is Mark ten forty five where Jesus is speaking and he says, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And the context of that is just so awesome. So, so what's going on there is that the sons of Zebedee, two of the disciples basically are asking, one to sit as a right and one to sit in his left when he comes in his kingdom. So basically they're saying, hey, among these other schmuck disciples that are here, can we be the top two? Can we be awesome? Um, and, and so in the midst of it, Jesus is like, look, uh, I don't know if you know what you're asking for. And they're like, no, we can do it. But then he, he says, I'll pick it up in verse mm, 41, 42. It says, then Jesus called them, the, all the disciples, to him and said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. And then here's the line, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And what it does for me is it, it draws such a contrast between Christianity and the world. That the world system is, I want to be top dog. I want people serving me. I want servants. I don't want to be a servant. I want to be a And here Jesus comes in the upside down kingdom. And so the king of kings, lord of lords, is born in a manger and to a poor carpenter. And like, so he's he starts out low from the beginning and serves his whole way through and even says, look, the goal here is not to be great. The goal is to serve others. And the thing that that inspires within me is if that's who Jesus is, then who am I as his disciple? Like how in the world could I in any way take a posture of rejecting servanthood if even the Son of Man himself, Jesus, came to serve then, then what am I too good for? Why am I trying to have servants instead of taking up the talent base of myself? You know, so that's one of the big ones. And, and so, uh, Jared Austin, I don't know if there's a passage. What, what's that prompt for you? Any thoughts there? I mean, what it definitely prompts and what I love about Jesus is it's not just he didn't just talk the talk. I mean, he walked right. the walk, you know, and. We have a lot of, I mean, how many quotes, memes? I mean, we could put up a million things about love and laying your life down. But man, when I look at Christ, obviously, you know, what we see in that passage, and we see that played out in his life. I mean, when what all he could have had, what he could have demanded, and he didn't do it. He walked the walk. He lived a life of servanthood. And then that's what it means to be his disciples. So to, to realize, to be a follower of Jesus means to follow the servant-hearted one. 
who, as you just said, Pastor Jared, he put his money where his mouth is. So he walked the walk. And so if I'm going to be a follower of his, then the path I'm on is a path of servanthood. That's the path. Embrace it or don't, but that's the path. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there's a side of me, you know, what does the Bible say about serving? It's almost such big thing, you know, such a clear pattern, such a big, you know, part concept of the New Testament, like part of me wants to say, what does the Bible say about serving? Yes. You know, it, <laughs> shocker, it comes out four, you know, I right. mean, that is, like you said, the core of what it means to be a disciple. It's, it's better to give than to receive. The world says, fill yourself up. Jesus says, pour yourself out. I mean, it's just such a clear part of the New Testament of what it means to be the, the heart of God, to love, to lay your life down. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Well, and uh, Austin, I said two passages come to mind. And so uh, the second one is uh, kind of following through. Like it, here, Jesus talks about the fact that he is a son of man came to serve. But as you said, Pastor Jared, that he, uh, he walked the walk. So we see him like live it out right in front of them as an object lesson in John chapter 13, where it's in the midst of the Last Supper. And I, also, I already kind of referred to it, where he takes up the Talon Basin, uh, literally does that. So the scene there is the, the nastiest job, the lowliest servant in the house would have to be the one that washed people's feet. Because you wear sandals, and there's animals, there's dung, there's dust, there's hay, it's gross, and your feet are gross. And so you come in a house, now the way they ate uh, was really kind of reclining, so your feet wouldn't be hidden under a table. Your feet would be visible. So it's just nasty. So it would be the polite thing to wash your feet at the front door on the way in. Kind of like in the Asian societies, it's considered culturally polite. You take your shoes off. Same thing. It's a cultural thing. But nobody wants to do it. It's just gross work. So the, it's not just a servant position, but the lowliest servant in the household had to do that job. Hmm. So now all these guys who are jockeying for position among the 12 come in, if you wash people's feet, you just admitted you're the lowest. Nobody wants to do it. Nobody wants to be that in that light. So nobody washes anyone's feet. So what happens is Jesus says, fine, it's me. And he takes up the towel and base and he starts going along. And they start to object because they realize, whoa, whoa, time out. Of all the people here that we know shouldn't do it, that's you, Jesus. And he's like, no, no, no. So uh, I'll pick it up in John 13, verse 12. It says, when he had washed their feet and put on, on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. So, Jared, it's kind of like a continuation of what you were saying, where Jesus walked the walk. Now Jesus is saying, and you should too. You, you need, don't just talk about them, go do them. Quit acting like you're greater than me. If I would wash your feet, man, what can you not do for your neighbor, for your fellow Christian, for your church? Like, shouldn't you have a posture of a servant as well? And I just absolutely love that picture from Jesus. Hmm. Yeah, and I'm so glad even you give that picture, you bring out some of the cultural nuances. Because I, 
I don't think we can really fathom how shocking that moment was. Because right. we don't do that. We don't want, like, you know, and a lot of denomination churches will still do washing the feet, and we kind of get the idea, man, I, I don't think we fully grasp, like, mm-hmm. Jesus. And, and, you know, maybe you've traveled overseas of cultures that have servants and to understand, like, the status of that. But it'd be unbelievably shocking. You mentioned the object lesson. I mean, no one higher. I, your Lord, and no job lower, the lowest servant. And man, he, he really covers some ground in that object lesson of there's nothing, you know, I, I don't even know for us, washing toilets, but I, there's nothing that we could be too good for. I mean, such a beautiful picture. It's gorgeous. And I think it's just, it, there's an echo of the gospel right in there. In that, so when I'm rejecting the posture of a servant, and I'm trying to prove something. I'm trying to earn something. I'm trying to be respectable. I'm trying to be better than you, above you. Why? Because I'm, tr- I'm in an earning system with God, right? W- which is, of course, anathema to the gospel. And so the gospel says, no, you deserve hell, but by the grace of Jesus, he bought it for you, purchased it, you are set, you're a co-heir with Christ, you're promised heaven, you are good. What have you to prove? Nothing. What do you need? Nothing. You know what you can do? You can go be a servant because you're totally covered. And so I think understanding the gospel and the gospel going deep in my life leads me towards servanthood in a way that religion does not. Yeah. Man, guys, that's we could we could spend a whole podcast keeping on that. That's awesome. I mean, there's the Bible's cover to cover. I mean, serving, we see that in in our our savior. And so uh, let me let me transition a little bit to this. I mean, I you know, I said at the beginning of the episode, this is kind of the middle of a serve push in our local church, Redemption Chapel, and, and to any church, I mean, serving is so important. And so, so I'd love for you guys to even answer the question of, of why is that the case? Why is it so important to a church that people are following the example of Jesus and serving? Well, in some ways, just to start with the obvious is we just covered the passage, right? Like, you know, who get this with baptism serving? And I don't want to even skip that step. Yeah, we're going to get into a lot of things of how it plays out, but don't miss the scripture just told you to. You know? <laughs> Do it, you know? In some ways, we're commanded, and it's sure. like, oh, man, I don't feel like it all these things, but don't miss. Like, this is, I don't know, we make so many things, you know, we're so grace, grace-oriented, but somehow we make this optional. So in some ways, I just acknowledge the charge. This is the call. We're called to serve. We're called to love others, to submit to others. So in some ways, I, I don't want to miss this simple, obvious one of because we're told to. Right. That's beautiful, man. Uh, I'd add to that when you embrace the priesthood of believers. So priesthood, the idea of priesthood is that there are a few super special holy men in the church. We call them priests or we call them pastors and they walk on water and they do all the ministry and the rest of us just sit here and receive from them. And that is not a biblical picture. Uh, it certainly doesn't flow from Reformation theology, which embraces the priesthood of all believers. So the pastors are not just in the pulpit. The pastors are in the pews. We're all ministers together. And Ephesians 4 teases that out where it says specifically that our job as pastors is to equip the saints for the work of service, meaning the, the, the believers, the congregants, they do the ministry. And our role as pastors is just to equip them to do the ministry. So it's baked in that a a church doing the work of a church 
takes an army of volunteers, takes the whole congregation, viewing themselves as servants and ministers and volunteers. And if you're just looking to a few hired guns to do it, wow, you have really put a hard limitation on the ministry of Christ in your midst. So it takes an army of volunteers. It's based on the priesthood of believers. And I really hope people hear that and feel that. And I always laugh, too, because when I hear that, especially being raised Catholic, you know, I don't... You know, we joke, Pastor Austin, about how our difference in upbringing <laughs> and our differences in life in general. Amen, <laughs> amen, brother. Yeah. But for me, being raised Catholic, like I hear that different, and it hits me different when you hear priest, priesthood. I mean, I felt that so strongly. Like, you know, well, some of the language we use, sacred, secular split, you know, right. and the regular people do regular things, and then the priestly people do the spiritual things. And I mean, I remember thinking priests, like they were a whole different category of people. Like they did the holy stuff, and then the rest of us did the regular stuff, and so I'm sure it hits differently, I think, probably in our context more, oh, big churches, the staff does the spiritual stuff, and the church staff, and the, it's just not the biblical picture. Like, it is the job of all that, you know, call themselves Christian and have given their life to Christ to do the work of the ministry, and it's just hard to get through that. Oh, no, that's their job, not my job, but okay, for Christ's name to be made known, you know, his name to go forth, it's not a pastor's, priest's, it's all of our job. And we see that lived out around this church. So when, when I think of the army of volunteers it takes to pull off a Sunday morning, it is crazy. Kids' zone, hospital, excuse me, first impressions. Austin was about to punch me. I'm glad I'm at a, out of arm's reach. Uh, first you impressions. You get a sound effect. <laughs> good TJ job, good job. Put that in there. Anyway, uh, so all the volunteers it takes, and that's just Sunday morning. Then you got... All our youth ministry and women's ministry and men's ministry, all the community groups, the amount of ministry that happens through this congregation. Now, I'm sitting right now in a room with our two associate pastors. So we've got three pastors. We maybe account for 5% of the ministry at best, at best. And that's the way it should be. And that's gorgeous. And that really, it lets the ministry explode in a way that the three of us would completely limit. And that's okay. Now, we are in a unique season of, of church life, though. One of the things that has happened from COVID and people pulling back from church and then reengaging, which means they stopped volunteering, but they started attending again, or they shifted churches. There was a lot of reshuffling in the kingdom of God, which means now I've started a new church, which means I'm attending, but I'm not serving there yet. So as we come out of this and we, we get back to uh, more in-person and stuff's going on again, our volunteer base is not coming back as quick. And, and from the pastors I know, almost every church is experiencing that. And it really throws off the, the needed ratios. And so it's kind of an acute need right yeah. now in most churches, not just ours. Yeah. It's funny, even you talk about the particular need of the season. It means I wrestle, whether it be my background or the current context, even when you mention army of volunteers and you go into a setting where, you know, I don't care what paradigm people use, what they want to call mega church, but when you go into a place where it seems to be a bigger church, it's so easy. Oh, well, there's an army. I don't need to step up. You yeah. know, look, there's so many. Look at those crowds. It's funny, my background too of psychology, that's just a, a principle. The more people, the, the easier it is for me to just say, oh, somebody else will do it. Look at all these people. Look at that big crowd. Oh, somebody else will serve kids. Somebody else will cut donuts. 
And man, it's such a difficult thing to get past that mentality of, oh, I don't need to, somebody else will. Like, that's just not what God has called you to do. And that's not how the church functions. But so easy to fall into that when you look at a big church and people everywhere. Well, in your background in undergrad was psychology. Mm-hmm. Mine was economics. And in economics, we called that the free rider principle, uh, that everybody thinks they can be the free rider. But it, it just doesn't, mm-hmm. it doesn't really work that way. But you'll usually hear around church circles the 80-20 principle, mm-hmm. that 80% of the work is done by 20% of the people. Okay, that's a ratio, but it holds no matter what your absolute numbers are. So if you have 100 people, 80-20 is easy math. If you have 1,000 people, 80-20 is easy math. But when you're in the 1,000-person scenario, you th- the free rider kicks mm-hmm. in. Jared, that's your point. It kicks in more easily. Oh, they don't need me. No, they have 10 times more stuff to get done. So it's a good thing they have 10 times the number of potential volunteers. And so when I don't volunteer, it doesn't matter what the size of the church, I am, if I'm not volunteering, I'm the problem of the 80-20 principle. Doesn't matter the size of the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny, the study that I always remember is it was a tug-of-war study, and they were testing one person, but they didn't know it. And the, the more people are, if you were to pull on your own, you would pull so much harder. The bigger your team is in the tug of war, and they measured it, the less you pull. It's just Interesting. The way it is. Yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, I want to make sure that, yes, the, the need is there for any church. Yes, the need is there for our church. But what I don't want to do is guilt people into it. Like, I want to just build disciples. And disciples who follow Jesus, who understand servanthood, and therefore they volunteer at our church. And it's kind of like giving. So our approach to this is we just teach generosity a lot. And I realize as Christians live more generous lifestyles, they'll be generous around the board uh, in their life. And of course, we'll benefit from that as a church. And so what I don't want to do is get a lot of people who are still consumers at heart and not disciples. They're not really embracing a servant mindset, but we've guilted them into volunteering on Sunday morning. That's not an ideal to me. Rather, I'd, I'd rather see their, their hearts adjust to servanthood. And, oh, look, we reap the benefit, too. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm so glad you went there because I feel like that's such an easy, you know, in this situation to go towards guilt, right? We all, we all know we should serve. You should serve more. Why aren't you serving? And, man, oh, there's nothing wrong with a good charge. But, man, I want to get past that. Like, one of the things I find most compelling and I think keeps people from serving, one of my favorite verses is 1 Corinthians 7, 7. But each has his own gift from God, one this way and another that. I mean, the, I think one of the things is, oh, I, you know, you look at, all oh, those people, they're gifted, who am I? But everybody, every single person listening to this is gifted. Right. You have a gift that God has given you, that God has entrusted you, that you're called to steward. And so I think, man, just falling into that, who am I, what do I have to offer? Like, that is a promise from Scripture each of us is gifted by God, and not just the guilt. On the positive side, your church needs you to serve. Like, we're not going to function as well. I love that picture of the body, right? All the different organs. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're at a church and you're not serving, that body is not functioning as fast, as healthy, as efficient as it can because you're a part of that body, and God has gifted you that way. And so seeing, man, the, the vision of it, not just the guilt of I'm not serving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I, I want to 
kind of let's flip it a little bit because we've you know we've been talking about how is serving you know why is it important to the church and uh, but we also need to understand it's it's probably important to the individual Christian as well like obviously the church we we want we need people serving but it, it's more than just you know getting enough people to hold doors on a Sunday morning there's right. there's some benefit there so what what would you guys say how is serving uh, or why is it so important to the individual Christian, not just the church? Why should the individual Christian be concerned about making sure they're serving? So a phrase that came to mind for me decades ago, but it's always stuck, is this. Selfishness is never an ingredient to growth, period. Selfishness is never an ingredient to growth. And so if you are not engaging your faith, that's why, you know, we, in our mission statement, we have know, grow, go. Know Jesus Christ personally, grow in your relationship with him, and then thirdly, go advance his kingdom. The go is not like this bonus afterthought side benefit product that comes. That's part of what you need. What, I mean, let me make sure I emphasize what you need. You need to go because selfishness is never an ingredient to growth. So you watch Jesus in his discipleship of the 12. He doesn't just sit them down and say, okay, time for Sunday school class. Uh, everybody get out your Jewish scriptures and let's turn to and di- didactic. Just What he does is he puts them in serving situations, one after another, after another, after another. It's on-the-job training. And what he's, what he's showing them is, look, if you're going to be a growing disciple, you are going to have to serve. Because Jesus would never let his disciples cut their teeth on selfishness. He knows that would kill their growth. Selfishness is never an ingredient to growth. So Jesus put them in gear right away. And I love my people, and I want them to grow. So I realize for their own benefit, they've got to become servants for their own growth. Yeah, it's funny. I think that's so good. Even when we say, you know, no, grow, go, let's make no mistake. That's not linear. It's not, okay, Mm -hmm. when I fully Mm -hmm. know, then I grow. You grow by going. 100%. And I think, I don't know why, I thought of like, you know, exercise and how that can just be so cyclical and and you never get moving forward and it's self-fulfilling prophecy and all that. I don't go to the gym because I feel like, oh, I'm not strong enough to go to the gym. So I don't go to the gym, so I never get strong, so I never go to... And you see the problem like, oh, I'm not good enough or I'm not mature enough. That's how you mature by starting to serve. But I don't serve because I'm not... And it just comes this like endless cycle of that is a part of how you grow. So it's not you fully grow, you're fully mature, and now you serve. I think AA, I mean, you said Jesus, but as we are invested in AA recovery ministry, I think they get that right away, you know. Mm-hmm. You can't keep it unless you give it away. And if you're on day one, you're ahead of somebody. Somebody's on day zero, you know. And, oh, I've just been coming to church, and I, I hear people get trapped in that so often. You grow by going. Stop waiting to grow, then go. And Jared, I like how you started to bring in the uh, analogy of the human body growing and going to a gym and all that stuff. Um, there, there's, that analogy is so golden in this area. So a couple things come to mind. One, uh, the only human being that only takes and doesn't give is a baby. Like babies do that. Babies only consume resources. They don't give anything back, and they are babies. And the biblical vision is for you to grow past that. And one of the ways you grow past that is you start to exercise. You start to give back. You start to contribute. You don't don't just consume. 
Now, a lot of Christians come to church and all they're doing is consuming resources and they're not exercising their faith. They're not giving back. And that's an infancy of spirituality. It's a good place to start. It's not a good place to stay. And so, again, for your own good, we want to see you grow out of the infant I only consume phase. Mm. Now, what happens is sometimes people aren't infants anymore, but they're obese. And obesity is that, that I consume a lot and I exercise a little or none. And therefore, I'm overweight. That's, what, that's how we get there. And so there, the solution is start to exercise your faith. And a lot of people, when they approach a church, the one question they're asking is, can I consume well here? Will they feed me, feed me, feed me? And they're not thinking, can I exercise well here? How can I serve? How can I give? And you, you need a balance there to be a healthy individual. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think even in this age, right? I mean, World Wide Web, the information age, it has never been easy to consume gobs and gobs as much content as you want. And it just sets us up that way. You know, I'm sure, Pastor Rick, you've heard this, right? How many times have you heard somebody, want, you know, I think a college ministry in particular, move on, oh, I'm just not getting fed anymore, yeah. and then they bounce, you know, you always feel that tension, like, but no, if you want to grow, start serving, start giving it away, you know, but we're so, I mean, you know, I think of the reformers, you know, bent in on self, that's what sin does, I'm mm-hmm. all about me consuming, and it's hard to get over that, like, okay, I need to serve. I think of our uh, volunteer of the month videos, that's one of the mm-hmm. questions we always ask, you know, what do you get out of it? It's not just, hey, we need something from you, it's for you, like, I, we really mean that, it's not just so we can get you to serve more. And every time we do a Volunteer of the Month video, what do you get out of it? I've never, ever heard somebody say, oh, I don't know, nothing. Like, they light up and talk about how good it's been for them, how much they've grown, and it's, it's huge. It's integral. You know, that's where I do think the, the physical analogy works. Like, you can't be healthy without exercising. You can't grow spiritually without serving. You know, and Jared, as you were mentioning those Volunteer of the Month videos, um, another one thing they often say is they met people. Right, and they establish community while serving, and I think that's true. Like you think about how uh, soldiers come back from war, and they are so bonded because they grew tight in the trenches serving together. And whenever you get in the trenches, shoulder to shoulder with somebody, and you're working along, like you tend to bond. And I think that's true in the church as well. That as you serve alongside people, community is built there, and so there's another benefit to the Christian disciple, but not to the Christian consumer. So there is a little bit with serving, there is a little hinge here between consumer and disciple. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's so clear and obvious what, what God calls us to be, you know. It's so easy to fall into that consumer category. Yeah. Well, guys, I would love to, I want to throw one more question at you. I mean, this has been a great discussion on what does the Bible say, why is it important to the church, why is it important to us as individual Christians, but I would love to kind of throw one more thing at you. And Pastor Jared, you mentioned it a little bit ago and kind of want to piggyback off that of, you know, we are all gifted. Uh, God has given us different abilities and gifts. And I think one of the the dangers of that, and I remember seeing this, especially at churches I grew up in, uh, we would spend so much time trying to find your gifting. So, you know, we've, if you've done one, you got the 500 question spiritual gift inventory and it tells you a new gift every time you do it. And so you spend (laughs) just, yeah, it's like, so you just spend, you know, all this time finding your gifting and great. If you find it, it's, it's helpful. But in the meantime, what's happening is 
is you're just overlooking all these areas that you could be serving, or maybe the church needs you, or maybe God just is putting opportunity and says, I don't care if you're gifted or not, go serve. I want you to grow. And and so I kind of want to have you guys dive a little bit into the question of, you know, is there a difference versus, you know, is it serving wherever is needed versus where do I best fit? Is one of those better than the other? Do they go together? Like, how do you address that? Like, okay, you need to serve wherever, but then there's also, there's a gifting at times you fit sometimes better. So how would you kind of help people navigate that? So I'd go with bloom where you're planted, that whatever role or job or task God has put right in front of you, and sometimes he does that by your church putting it right in front of you, then, then you say, here am I, send me. And in the midst of it, you, over time, you discover passion, and that colors how you do the task, not what task you do, right? So, for example, I already quoted from John 13, Jesus washed people. I don't think Jesus had a spiritual gift of foot washing. Like, like he didn't go, ah, or he didn't object and say, I'm sorry, that's not my gift. It needed done. And Jesus said, here am I, send me. And, and so he washed their feet. Now, I think it's wonderful when you can serve in an area of passion. But if you think about an athletic team, think about a football team where you have a prima donna athlete who it doesn't matter to him what the team's need is. He only sees himself in one role, one position. I, I am a, uh, I'm a running back, and that's it. And if you don't put me in as a running back, I ain't playing. Right. And well, you know what? Sometimes we need you to block. No, I don't block. Like I, we don't like that. Right. I love the guy who goes to the coach and says, coach, I know a position I'd prefer to play, but what does the team need? Coach, what do you need? Put me in there. I'm a team guy. And all of us go, oh, that's our guy. We like that guy. Well, then let's be that guy. Hmm. Uh, But instead, what we do is we take our 500 question gifts or any pops out this answer and I say I'm sorry no 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 oh foot washing no I don't do that hmm. but that's not the route Jesus went yeah even the thing that resonated with me as you said that and I and I think of my particular struggles with that is I think some of the paralyzing nature of it you know one of the things that somebody said to me that was so huge is you know even God can't steer a parked car right so some <laughs> of that you go oh I don't really know where to serve just start serving, you know? And, and, and I tell these people in a real practical of at our church, well, I don't know, I might not like it. That's okay. Nobody makes you sign a 10-year contract. You're in kids' own for life. You know, like, <laughs> right, right. it's okay. You know, you can shift, you know? And I, I think some of that, where does God want me? And it's, it's not a bad question to ask. Like you said, your gifts, it's not a bad question. One of your passions is fine to ask. But some of that don't get paralyzed, particularly if you're in a place where it's justifying not serving. Yeah. You know, get moving, start mm-hmm. serving, try things out. In some ways, I'd trust, you know, God or, or whether it be your pastoral team to, to steer you and equip you in the right way. But I, in some ways, I would say just get moving, start serving, and, you know, get mm-hmm. going. Yeah. And, and don't use – I agree with that. I love that. Song. Though I did think – you said even God can't steer a parked car. And I think God's like, have you heard of hurricanes? Mm-hmm. Like, I can move that any way I want, but I agree with your point 110%. And, but, but then I also think, like, okay, so in our church, trash cans need emptied. And I don't think there's anyone who has the spiritual gift of emptying trash, but it needs done. And so sometimes what we're doing is we're uh, using, quote-unquote, my gifting to avoid hard work or work I just don't like. 
Now, I do like when people know their gifting and they grow in their gifting and they utilize their gifting. That's a great thing. But I think you can do that, again, bloom where you're planted. So I think about our moms. We have in our congregation tons of moms. And they are very, very differently gifted people that are using their unique gifting that God has given them and bringing that to bear on motherhood, and it's gorgeous. Now, a lot of them need to do similar tasks as mom, uh, as moms, but they are letting their gifting color how they do what they do, not going, eh, I'm just not going to be a mom today. Like, nope, not an option, but you use your gifting to color how you, so you might mom different than the woman next door. Because you're gifting, and and that's I think that applies to Christian service as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think I heard I heard someone say one time, and I don't know exactly how they said it, but we you know we want to find our gifting. Like you said, that's helpful, and probably the best way to get there is by just serving wherever is presented. And over time, as you do that, you will probably discover where's your gifting at, and you'll probably find some things that you had no clue you enjoy and. You might enjoy him. So. Well, and scriptures say, he who is faithful with a little will be faithful also with much. And do I trust God's hand in it that I can bloom where I'm planted and, and then God will go, okay, son, now I'm going to give you this. Or do I feel like I got to scramble uh, for the position I want and all Now, now I'm one of the sons of Zebedee saying, hey, I'm scrambling for position. Yeah. And Jesus said, no, no, that's not the way we go here. Well, guys, as, as we kind of wrap up, is there any other final thoughts, you know, whether it's this question or just serving in general, you would love to kind of leave with our listeners before we're done? Yeah, I mean, I, I just say do it. I mean, we, I think we all understand God's heart for service. We all understand it's good, it's worthy. But I, I've also talked to people that, I mean, there's never an easy time to do it, you know. And so, man, it's never an easy time to host a small group, to lead. And so I'd say, man, if this is your heart, you have to prioritize it. Like, pull the trigger right now. We're in that serve push. Sign up and do something. Legit. And the only other thing I kick in, Austin, is eternal perspective. Like when I think a thousand years from now, (laughs) my guess is I'm not going to regret any service I rendered onto Jesus. I'm probably going to regret every moment I pulled back from serving Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so take the long view. I know it's hard. I know you have limited time. All of us have limited time. But one of my roles as a disciple is to be a steward with the time that God gave me and to utilize it to serve Jesus in his kingdom, not to serve myself and my own agenda. And so I want to live as a faithful steward of my time. I want to live with eternity in view, and I want all our people at Redemption to do the same. Yeah. Yeah, and I'll piggyback on that with, if, if you are listening and you are part of our Redemption family, we would love for you to find a place to serve, and uh, there's a ton of ways you can serve here at church, and so we'll drop a link in the bio, uh, show notes of this, and you can uh, find about find out about those places and jump in. If you don't go to our church, uh, wherever you go, lean in and serve there as well. Uh, this is something not just for Redemption, this is for the body of Christ uh, entirely, so... Guys, thank you uh, for being on the podcast. Thanks for talking a little bit about serving, and uh, and we hope you will be back uh, and listen again as we have another episode next month. Thanks for listening, and if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others. To catch the latest episode, be sure to subscribe and follow us. For more resources like this, visit our website at www.redemptionchapel.com. We hope you join us next time on Redemption Unscripted.